Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning. That was some incredible singing. Thank you for making such a joyful noise into the Lord. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, so go ahead and turn there. As you turn there, we want to welcome all of our guests. For those of you who are visiting, we want to say welcome home. Welcome to those watching online. We are launching a new series as we prepare for Thanksgiving called The Power of Thanks. So a little survey. How many of you guys are cooking Thanksgiving lunch or dinner this year? Cooking at your house. All right. How many of you are going out to eat for Thanksgiving? All right. Most of you are cooking. So I, I love Thanksgiving. It's, it's a fun time of the year. This year we're having all the family over my house because when you have so many kids, it's easier just to have everyone come to you. So that's going to be really fun. As you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, my family and I, we did something really fun recently. We went bowling. So when you have a ragtag team of kids bowling, interesting things can happen. It can get a little crazy. Of course, Lincoln in the front with the red head, he's the fiery one. So we decided to do something a little different. I gave a wager to my family. I said, if anyone can beat me, I will give you $10 cold hard cash. Because truthfully, I didn't think anyone could beat me. I'm, you know, there, there are five kids, okay? So the oldest is 10. And my wife, she's competitive, but I thought I had the edge on her. But what we did is we, we put up something called bumpers or side rails. How many of you have ever bowled with side rails? For those who don't know what that is, it's two rails on the side, and they keep the ball from getting out of the gutters. So what's interesting, I was, as according to plan, I was winning, and my wife had this little competitive sparkle in her eye. And all of a sudden, she learns how to use the side rails to where they can bounce and still get really good scores. So she rolls it really hard. All of a sudden, strike. And she's excited. She's got a strike. And I'm like, well, I'm still ahead. And so she gets up the second time, rolls again. This is about the seventh, eighth frame. I think I I had the game in the bag. So she rolls it. Strike. She's up to two strikes now. And I'm like, well, that's just that's just luck, you know. If the, the, the side rails weren't there, it would have been in the gutters and I'd be winning. But she has this smile on her face. She goes up there, all of a sudden rolls it and three strikes in a row, which is called a, okay, a lot of bowlers out there. So on the scoreboard, it shows I'm still winning, but yet when you get strikes, several, it doesn't show it till a few frames later. So by the 10th frame, all of her three strikes in a row are added up. And she beats me by like eight points. So since it's my wife, she got not $10, but a double blessing, $20. So she won. Let's give Lori a hand. Beat, beat me in bowling. So as I began to reflect on losing, which I don't like doing, it kind of occurred to me that the will of God is kind of like bowling. Some people think the will of God is a small, slippery spot where you, 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 it's hard to stay in it. But we're going to see in today's passage, the Apostle Paul lays out the will of God pretty simply. And this message is going to be the, the most simple one I've ever preached, but the most, if you put it into practice, it's the most life-transforming. So here's the will of God. 
How many of you want to score when it comes to doing things for God? Like you want to, you want to make a difference in eternity. That's like the bowling strike. You want to score. But did you know that God allows side rails to keep you on track? Did you realize that? So the bowling ball, it's so much fun. It's like joy. Now I'm going to talk to you guys about the Apostle Paul talks about we should rejoice always. But in order to keep in the middle of God's will, there's the side rail of thanksgiving and the side rail of prayer. And if you will continually be thankful and you'll continually be prayerful, you can rejoice always. And when it comes to the will of God, you can score strike. So today I want to give you the simplest message you've ever heard on the will of God. So many times it's like this foreign concept. Am I in the will of God? Am I not? How do I stay in the will of God? But Paul lays it out very clearly. So 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, rejoice what? How many of you are joyful all the time? We said in the first service, Brian Worley's the only guy we know of that's always joyful, but you know, we, we, can, we can improve on this, right? Monica's like, you don't know I'm at home, okay? All right, verse 17, pray continually. How many of you pray all the time? That's hard, right? And then give thanks in all circumstances. I want you to see the, the kind of theme, always, continually, in all. So, in other words, this is something that should be part of your daily life. And it says, for this is what? God's will. How many of you have ever struggled with knowing God's will? It's right here. Paul lays it out. If you do these three things continually, you can stay in the center of God's will. So it's not some slippery spot. You're in God's will, out of God's will. As long as you can do these three things, it says this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let's pray over God's word. Father, as we go over your word today, please speak to our hearts. We know that while this is a simple message to understand, even a a five-year-old can really get the the gist of it, it's a hard message to apply daily. So, Father, speak to our hearts and help us to be able to apply this to each day of our life. Help us to do these three things in such a way that we will live a life of thanks and we will be operating in God's will for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. So today I have three very simple truths about how to stay in the center of God's will. The first one is choose joy always. Verse 16 says rejoice always. Now, I want you guys to think about what is the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is based upon if life is going well for you, you are H-A-P-P-Y happy. But when life's not going so well, happiness is not really something you experience all the time. Joy, on the other hand, is not circumstantial. It's relational. It's based upon your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And joy is a byproduct of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and so on. So here's the thing. Happiness is about happenings. Joy is about your relationship with Jesus. So how many of you enjoy swimming? Anybody like swimming? I know, Jim, you like swimming. Swimming's really fun. And when it comes to being a parent, we spend a lot of time in a place called the kiddie pool. How many of you have hung out with the kiddie pool? There's a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of parents. Parents are there because they don't want to see their kids drown. But something happens in the kiddie pool. Whenever you see something floating across the surface of the water, 
it appears like a Baby Ruth candy bar. All of a sudden, the lifeguard blows his whistle. Everybody get out of the pool, right? So it was happy. It was fun. And now all these kids are crying. It's not not happy anymore, right? But have you ever noticed in the deep end, there's fewer people in the deep end? And those who are in the deep end, they don't stay that off long because they get tired and they get out of it. And I think when you look at the analogy spiritually, happiness is circumstantial. But whenever you let Jesus take over, you stay in the deep end. Not just sometime, but like you're in the deep end. That's how joy is. It's, it's something that's contagious. It's something that's relational. It's something that you can operate in through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in John 16:22, Jesus said that no one can take away your joy. Think about that. No one can rob you of your joy. So joy is something that you have to choose. So I just want to encourage you. Look at the person next to you and say, choose joy. It's a choice. It's something you have to choose. For those of you who are history buffs, you may remember this story. It was Easter Sunday, 1799. One of Napoleon's generals, Messina, was surrounding a small Austrian town. And we actually have a picture of this town. This town was surrounded. Keep in mind, Easter Sunday. And they were getting ready to wave the white flag of surrender to Napoleon's troops. 18,000 troops surrounding the small town. And one of the church deacons said, listen, it is Easter Sunday. I think that we should put this in God's hands. We've tried to do it on our own and it doesn't work. So let's ring the church bells. Let's put on our Easter bright, Easter best clothes. So all of a sudden, they made an announcement, we're going to have church. It's Easter Sunday. So people in this village began to get out, even though they were surrounded by troops. They began to ring the church bells. And Messina, Napoleon's general, heard that. And they had the wrong assumption. They assumed that other Austrian troops had come to relieve this small village. And they had all these people coming out in bright clothes. They're celebrating. So it gave the French troops this image that, wow, they think they've won. So after the church service, when they went out, there were no French troops left because they thought reinforcement troops have come in. So here's the thing. Whenever you choose joy, even though you're stressed out, God begins to do something in your life. Even though life is not what you think it is, you have to choose joy. And there's so many benefits of choosing joy. If you look at your listening guide, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts about this. First of all, look at Charles Spurgeon quote. He says it like only Spurgeon can say. There is a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful, but this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One dolorous spirit, in other words, a negative attitude, can bring a plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing whenever, wherever he goes. So he's saying, like, listen, if you ever notice a negative person can kill the party. But then he says, but the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. Have you ever noticed that people that are joyful are attractive? I joked with the first service and I said, listen, some of you get, you know, plastic stuff going on, tent lifts, all that's fine. But joy will make you pretty no matter what, right? You know, I, I joke because the body's a tent and sometimes their tent needs a little help. 
Some of you put makeups on your tent. That's fine. But listen, joy is something that it, it just it, it flows out of you. So look at the benefits of choosing joy. If you follow along on your listening guy, the first benefit is joy gives you supernatural strength. Notice what Nehemiah says, 810, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So for those of you who feel tired, weary, you just want to quit, you've got to realize joy is there. You have to choose it. Joy is the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. In the psalm, in Proverbs, it says, rejoice in the Lord, what? And again, I'll say it, rejoice. Joy comes as a byproduct of believing in Jesus. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 5.13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So think about that. Joy is there. You just have to tap into it. Joy is there. You never lose it. You just got to tap into experiencing it daily. Joy can also, you can experience it whenever you're going through trials. Look at what James says. Consider it what? Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So here's the thing. I want you to notice this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. These three verses hang on the phrase in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, there's joy. In Christ Jesus, you are loved far more than you'll ever know. You are chosen. You know, it's like Max Lucado once said, if God has a fridge in heaven, your picture's on his fridge. You are adored far more than you'll ever realize. You have a calling. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. Therefore, choose joy. Look at the person next to you and say, choose joy. So if I'm going to bowl and I'm going to stay in the center of God's will, joy is what's going on. But I have to have the the guardrails. I have to have the bumpers up. The first bumper is this. Pray persistently. Notice the next verse that says pray continually or the King James pray without ceasing. Now, how can you pray without stopping? How can you pray continually? Well, it's kind of like a phone conversation. Have you ever pocket dialed someone by mistake and left the phone going? You know, you you get your phone. let's, Let's actually try to call someone here. Call Frank Wheeler, speaker. We're going to we're going to practice this here. All right. Can you guys hear this? We're calling Frank Wheeler. I don't see him in church today. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? We're doing well. We're at church. Where are you at right now? Well, I'm watching. Uh, I'm at home watching Ark first. Oh, Frank is in out of town, by the way, which I knew. Yeah. Give him a hand. <laughs> So whenever you're out of town, you can still watch online. So, Frank, we're talking about prayer is like a conversation that you start, but you never hang up, right? Right. So what, what would you tell the congregation today as, as, they're, as they're in person, you're watching online? Anything? I would, I would say pray continuously, uh, as, uh, as, Peter, uh, as Paul said in the Bible. That's good. I'm sorry to put you on the spot a little bit, but you knew I was going to call you, so at least you knew that. Let's give Frank a hand. God bless you, Frank. So praying without ceasing is like you start the conversation in the morning, but you never hang up. So here's what it's not. A little confession. I've confessed this once before. Most of you haven't heard the story. 
but don't judge me. I was only 16. When I was 16, I, I was really on fire for the Lord, like I am now. But I had zeal without knowledge, right? I knew the biblical principles, pray without ceasing, but I took it literally. And I did something very stupid and unwise while I was driving. I closed my eyes while I was driving the car. I did. Then I not, Mom. And I ran off the road. And I called my mom, and I was like, Mom, you won't believe what I did. And she's like, she didn't say stupid, but I'm sure she thought that. And she's like, Timothy, you don't have to pray with your eyes closed. You can pray with your eyes open. And I'm like, duh. I mean, now I'm like, duh, what was I thinking? But here's the thing. To pray continually does not mean that you're closing your eyes all day. Please don't do so while you're driving. It means you're in a spirit of prayer. It means that you start a conversation with God that never ends. And by the way, prayer is not just something you offer up like, dear God, help me today. That's part of prayer. But prayer is being in the presence of God all day. So if you're in the presence of God all day, all of a sudden you hear an ambulance and you just say, God, help that person. You see a beautiful sunrise and in your heart you say, wow, that's beautiful, God. That's praying. You don't have to have a long King James prayer. It's like prayer is God knows what you're thinking. Sometimes it comes out loud. Sometimes it's an inner thought. It's kind of like for those of you in married, how many of you have been married longer than 10 years? Raise your hand. All right. Less than 10 years. Raise your hand. All right. Still single and searching. Raise your hand. All right. Look around. You may meet someone in church today. (laughs) So where I met my wife. So here's the thing. If you've been married a long time, I can detect what my wife's thinking. And she knows what I'm thinking, which is scary. I'm like, how did you know that? And it's just like we're in each other's presence. And because of that, we know what a facial expression is. We know what our habits are. Mike Jameson's smiling because Nancy knows what's going on with Mike. So here's the thing. Pray continually. I think one of the best Old Testament examples of this is Daniel. If you think about Daniel, you think about a person of prayer. In Daniel 1, he decided not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. What made him do that? Well, he was a man of integrity, but he was a man of prayer. How do I know he was a man of prayer? Read the book of Daniel. Throughout the whole book, he's praying. All of a sudden, later on, a few chapters later, he gets thrown in this lion's den. And guess what? Not only is Daniel praying, but the king that threw him in there is praying that God will save him. So here's the thing. Your prayer life often delivers you out of very precarious situations. And I love the final few chapters of Daniel. Daniel, like after chapter 6, it gets very prophetic. And all of a sudden, he's praying. God sends Michael the archangel to deliver a message. The prince of Persia is keeping that. You guys remember we talked about in the fasting message. But his prayers moved heaven where God was answering. So here's the thing. Daniel prayed how many times a day? Three times a day, right? But those were not the only times he prayed. Those were the times where he lit the fire And guess what? The fire kept burning. So here's what I encourage you to do. Light the fire every morning. And if you light the fire hot enough, it will still burn. Sometimes you need to get away during the day and like have a specific time of prayer to put more wood on the fire. But it's kind of the idea. Your prayer is like this fire and you want to keep it going. You want the heat going. You want great illustration on a cold day, right? You want to keep it going because the world will try to put out the fire. But Paul says, pray continually. Keep praying. Don't let anything stop you from praying. So look on your listening guide, some practical tips. Well, how do I pray continually? Well, start each day off with a meaningful time of prayer. Pray on your way to work. Keep your eyes open. (laughs) Pray over every meal. 
get in the habit of praying over people right in the moment. So someone says, Timothy, can, can you pray for me? I often say, can we do it right now? Because truthfully, sometimes I forget, right? You ever do that? So pray in the moment. Pray when you hear an ambulance. God, help that person. Tell God about your worries. Thank God for his many blessings. So not only are we to be joyful always, but the left guardrail is to pray continually. And the right guardrail is even harder. In everything, give thanks. And I've heard some pastors say, well, it doesn't say for everything. Well, if you Google for everything, give thanks, there's another Bible verse that says for everything, give thanks. So we can't discredit that. So how do I'm forever thankful? How can I be forever thankful? How can I give thanks in all circumstances? And there's one theological concept that will change your mindset. It's the word sovereignty. The word sovereignty means that God is in control. God is going to work out all things even when you can't see it. See, the reason why sometimes it's hard, at least for me, to be thankful is I look against the backdrop of the temporary, like 100 years, if I live 100 years on earth, and it's hard to be thankful for bad things happening to you. But if you paint it against the backdrop of eternity, you can always be thankful because God is always working behind the scenes. Now, here's the question. What would happen if you were thankful before you got the blessing? What would happen if you were thankful before the blessing came through? You know, there's a story about George Mueller. Does anybody know George Mueller? Can you guys hear me? Did I lose battery? All right. I am thankful in all circumstances. Let me, let me grab a microphone here. All right. Microphone check one, two. Christ will do what the rest can't do. All right. Can you guys hear me now? I am using the white microphone. The white microphone. Okay. George Mueller, does anybody know what he was famous for? He ran an orphanage. At one point, it had a thousand kids. And here's something that happened in his orphanage that one morning they, they woke up and they were scrambling around because they had no food. I mean, imagine trying to, I, I struggle, like, how can I feed my family sometimes? Think about a thousand kids, okay? So what they did is they gathered all the kids together in the lunchroom. They gathered all the staffers together. And George Mueller said, we're going to say a prayer of thanksgiving for God's provision. Even though there was no food, he thanked God in advance. And while he was praying, he heard, he heard a knock. He opened the door. It was the town baker. And he's like, I can't explain this, but I could not sleep last night. God kept me up all night, and I just had those kids on my mind. So I've been baking bread all through the night. And he had enough bread for the entire orphanage. Just while he had finished leaving, he got another knock on the door, and it was the milkman. And the milkman said, you won't believe what just happened. My, my milk truck broke down right in front of your orphanage, and this milk's going to spoil. Could you guys use some milk? Hello? And all of a sudden, they gave thanks in advance, and then God provided the milk and the bread. So here's the thing. You can choose to be thankful in all circumstances because God is working behind the scenes. So we had a simple message. Let's throw those three points up here. How do we stay in the center of God's will? The first one is to be joyful always. Choose joy always. And here's the thing. Joy is not circumstantial. It's relational. 
So as long as you have the fruit of the Spirit, if you're a Christian, you have it. You have joy. You may not be experiencing it, but it doesn't mean you don't have it. It's part of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. So choose joy always. And then we talked about the two bumper rails to keep that joy going down the lane of God's will. We want to go forward and we want to hit a strike. So on the first bumper rail was to pray persistently. And we mentioned prayer is something that it's being in God's presence. It's not something you have to close your eyes for, right? And then forever be thankful. This is the power of thanks. So let's throw today's big idea on the screen. If we summarize this in one sentence, from now on you can't say, I don't know what God's will for my life is. If you, if you follow this, if you, if you follow the revealed will of God, he will lead you to the specifics of who do I marry, what job. All those will come into play. But God's will for my life is to, let's say it together, live joyfully, pray persistently, and to forever be thankful. So next week, we're going to do part two of this message series. And uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be talking about the church. I'm thankful for the church. So we have three action steps, and I will tell you a little bit about next week. How many of you guys remember the joy acrostic if you grew up in church? It's Jesus, others, and then yourself. So if you want to experience that joy, place Christ at the center of your life, put Jesus in the first place, others second, and then yourself third. I can't speak for you, but when I'm selfish, I'm not very joyful. You know, I'm not tapped into the joy of the Holy Spirit because I'm about me. So live this life of joy. Second action step is concerning prayer. Start your day off with prayer and stay in the zone. It's kind of like that pocket dial that you dial and it's going throughout the day. Like you're, you're practicing the presence of God. And you may want to randomly call someone just to say, hey, and just, just remind yourself of the sermon illustration. And finally, Thanksgiving's coming. So what I want you to do is write down five things you're thankful for. The old hymn says, count your many blessings. What does it say? Name them one by one. How many of you know that song? How many of you have never heard that song? All right, we've got to sing that song sometime. So next week, a uh, little preview. We're going to do something a little unusual. We are going to, first of all, bless someone in, in our community that does uh, service projects and stuff. So um, if, you, if you guys have like a dollar bill that you want to lay in one of the back, baskets on the way out, what we're going to do, we're going to try to get them on stage if we can convince someone to come to church that's working. But we want to give someone like a whole wad of cash just to say we're thankful for you. Like a, someone that, you know, delivers food or someone that does something in our community. Because here's the thing. We've got to be thankful in the little things, right? When's the last time you thought about the person that helps you with your groceries or the person that cooks your meal? You know, we're going to be leaving this place. Some of you going out to eat. What does it look like to be thankful for the person that waits on you? I mean, let's just be thankful. The second thing we're doing is we take up an annual vision offering. And some of, some of you are new to the church, don't know what that is. But once a year, we take up an offering that basically funds the vision for the future. And it's things that we don't necessarily budget, but we know that God's going to use to help move the mission forward. So next, next year, we realize the elders have gotten together. And Frank, who I just called up, he's the HR all of them are unanimous that we've got to hire more staff, that we've only got three full-time staff at the church, and this church has about 400 active attendees, and it's growing, and we can't sustain it. So the vision offering next Sunday is just a one-time gift, and the majority of that's going to go to help fund staffing for the future. So I just want to encourage you to pray. 
see what God would have you give for one time sacrificial gift. And then what we're going to do is use majority of that towards the future. Because here's the thing. Next year is 2023 and we're halfway in the vision. For those of you just new with us, we set out a five year vision to reach one percent of the Arden community. There's about 60,000 people in this community. If you drive on Hendersonville Highway, Sweet and Creek, you see it around 5 o'clock. All, all you guys see is traffic, right? No, you see more than traffic. You see people that we're going to reach. And uh, pre-COVID, 70% of Arden did not go to church. Now it's probably up to 80. We don't know what the exact stats are. But our goal is to say, you know what? We want every man, woman, student, and child, we want to give them a chance to receive Christ. And to do that... Sometimes we have to be willing to sell the family farm that one more person can come to Christ. That's part of the vision. Next year we'll be right in the center of our five-year vision. And by the way, we're almost halfway there to reach our goal. Can you believe that? God is already moving. So that's next week. So I want to pray, and then Miss Amy's going to come up with some announcements. But I want to encourage you guys to live a life of thanks. This is the power of thanksgiving. Let us pray. Father... Thank you for such a simple word, three simple actions of praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. And God, it's so hard to to think about praying and being joyful and giving thanks. But Lord, this is your will. So first of all, I want to pray for believers as believers are gathered around in person and online. If you've not lived a life of thanksgiving... If you've not lived a life of joy, if you've not lived a life of just being in the presence of God throughout the day, just go ahead and tell him. He already knows. And I would say something like, God, forgive me for not being joyful as I should. I know joy is contagious and the lack of joy is also contagious. God, help me to be in your presence more often, to start that fire of prayer and to keep it burning throughout the day, being in your presence. Father, forgive us where we fall short in these areas. As the believers continue to pray, we, every week we give the chance to someone to accept Christ. And there may be one here today that you're not in Christ. You may believe about Jesus, but you've never asked Jesus to save you. The Holy Spirit's never moved in your life. If that's you, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you've never called upon Jesus and asked him to save you right where you're at, in person, those listening online, it's a simple prayer of faith like this. And I want you to say it in your heart. Say, Jesus, go ahead and tell him, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And Jesus, I choose to follow you from this day forward. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Father, help us to pray continually. Help us to be joyful always and help us to be forever thankful. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, amen.